Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. It's been a week of intense twists and turns in the world of China's business. Electric car maker Neo has denied any meddling with evidence following a fatal crash. The U.S. has made it trickier for Chinese companies to list on its exchanges. Meanwhile, hundreds have been quarantined after COVID-19 infections were confirmed among workers at one of the busiest airports in China, indeed, in the world. With more important stories than you can shake a stick at, here's what's been going down in the world's most populous nation in the past seven days. Shanghai Pudong International Airport has halted all freight flights after two staffers tested positive for COVID-19. Local health authorities said Friday that the first case was a 44-year-old male Ethiopian engineer serving foreign freighters at the airport, and the second was a 45-year-old freight worker. Both are fully vaccinated. More than 40,000 people in the city have been tested. Of those, over 8,000 have already tested negative. Over 800 people have been quarantined in order to contain the contagion. In major geopolitical news, the White House has announced President Biden's latest nomination for U.S. ambassador to China. According to a Friday announcement, Biden has picked the retired career diplomat Nicholas Burns for the position. Burns is a professor at Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government, but has worked in the U.S. Foreign Service for 27 years. According to the White House statement, Burns served as the Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs between 2005 and 2008, during which, quote, he worked with the Chinese government on issues regarding Afghanistan, United Nations sanctions against Iran, North Korea, and U.S. policy in the Indo-Pacific. Before Burns can officially take on the role, his nomination must seek prior confirmation from the U.S. Senate. In other big news related to Sino-U.S. relations, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chairman Gary Gensler said he has asked staff to quote-unquote pause IPOs of shell companies that Chinese firms use to list in the country. His remarks came after the Chinese government's recent tough regulations targeting the tech and after-school education industries raised investor concerns 
that the regulatory pressure will hurt Chinese companies' prospects. In a video posted on his Twitter account Monday, Gensler said he has asked the commission's staff to require such companies to provide full and fair disclosure that what U.S. investors are investing in is actually a shell company in the Cayman Islands or another part of the world. It's been a chaotic week for NEO. The Chinese electric vehicle startup said it had not tampered with evidence needed for an ongoing investigation into a crash that killed a young businessman who had been driving one of the firm's cars with its self-driving system activated. According to an obituary published on WeChat, Lin Wenqin, the 31-year-old entrepreneur, died in a crash on a highway in southeast China's Fujian province on August 12th while driving his Neo ES8 SUV. The obituary said that the car's automated driving function, or navigate on pilot, was turned on when the incident happened. Last week, the automaker said it did not delete or modify any data stored in Lean's car after the crash. Neo made the statement in a response to media reports that quoted a Beijing-based lawyer representing the deceased's family as saying that a Neo technician had been subpoenaed after accessing the car without their approval. The case is likely to further raise public concerns over the safety of advanced driver assistance systems. In other big business news, China's top transport authority has called on ride-hailing firms to cap the commission they take from drivers and disclose them publicly. The news marks the latest move by a government regulator to restrain the behavior of tech companies. Li Huaqiang, a deputy director of transport services at the Ministry of Transport, said at a press conference last week that companies should set reasonable rates for driver pay, reveal these rates to the public, use algorithms to manage driver fatigue and limit working hours, and provide drivers with contracts and social insurance coverage. He added that the relevant departments will introduce measures to this effect in the future, but didn't offer a timeline for the process. And while China may be getting tougher on ride-hailing firms, the country has also vowed to strengthen its regulation of wealthy people. According to state-run Xinhua News Agency, China's top leaders have pledged to better control reasonably adjusting excessive income and encouraging high-earning groups and enterprises to give back to society. The commitment was made last week during an economic policy meeting chaired by Chinese President Xi Jinping as part of efforts to build a society of common prosperity and improve its income distribution structure to tackle social inequality. According to the meeting resolution, common prosperity refers to wealth being shared among everyone rather than just a few people. And finally, there's a bit of double trouble for Bilibili. The video streaming platform reported its losses more than doubled in the second quarter as the Nasdaq-listed company invested heavily in marketing and promotion. In the three months through June, Bilibili's net losses expanded to 1.1 billion yen from around 570 million yen a year ago. Nonetheless, the company's unaudited earnings report says that revenue grew 72% to 4.5 billion yen. According to the same report, Bilibili has forecast that its third quarter revenue will continue to grow, reaching between 5.1 billion yen and 5.2 billion yen. Let's turn now to Tyson Global Company News reporter Kelsey Chung to talk about a really eyebrow-raising story about how a photo taken by a Tyson photographer would go on to launch a debate about 
NFTs. So welcome to the show, Kelsey. Thank you, Kaiser. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. Uh, before we get into this, I think we need to explain exactly to some of our listeners what an NFT actually is. So, so, so what is it? So an NFT stands for a non-fungible token, which is actually a term to describe a unique digital asset like a, like a digital artwork whose ownership is tracked on a blockchain. So with right now, with any kind of online image, you could screenshot it, crop it, and share it on another platform. And as, you, as soon as you do that, we, w- we don't know where it's originally from anymore. So this makes it really hard to prove any commercial value uh, tied to the digital work. So for example, um, Jack Dorsey, the co-founder and CEO of Twitter, he created an NFT of his first ever tweet and sold it for 2.9 million US dollars earlier this year. So while anyone can grab a screenshot of that tweet online, the idea is that by making it into an NFT, it transforms it into a unique item, uh, much like a book signed by its author, but with ownership and transaction history verified and recorded on a public bo- blockchain. So with NFT technology, artists can now monetize, market, and protect their digital creations, um, although it's worth note- noting that uh, its uses can go well beyond artwork. So different files like videos, music, and other types of formats can also be created into NFTs as well. So bottom line is to the collector, the value resides in the ownership itself and not in the ability to view the artwork. Well, that's clear enough, I reckon. Uh, thanks. So now, of course, we come to how it is that a photo by a Caixin photographer is actually involved in all of this. So uh, back in July, our Chinese reporter Xiao Hui wrote a story on the shutdown of Bitcoin mines uh, in Sichuan. And the report included an amazing set of photos taken by our photojournalist Ding Gang. There was a photo in particular that was taken early May. Um, it showed a Tibetan woman in Hushui County, in Sichuan, Hushui County. She was holding a bunch of cryptocurrency mining parts. And the picture was widely compared to a painting by Jean-Francois Mier, uh, excuse my French, called The Gleaners. Um, I remember the photo went semi-viral in the morning of July 13. Um, It was on Weibo, on WeChat circles, and Twitter. And it also caught the attention of people in the digital currency and blockchain space. So that afternoon, we started seeing NFTs of the photo being uploaded to OpenSea, which is a um, NFT marketplace. And I remember there were at least three of them, and one of them was even sold for six million US dollars. Um, needless to say, our legal team had a really busy afternoon that day. Yeah, I can definitely imagine. So NFTs are getting a lot of attention worldwide, and many people in many countries are interested in this phenomenon for sure. But let's focus on China. Can you tell us what Chinese businesses are doing around NFTs and, and what the government has to say about all this? NFTs are gradually entering the mainstream now. Uh, We see a lot of startups and bigger companies like Ant Groups and Chain uh, taking advantage of this new and exciting opportunity. With Ant, they developed a series of NFT payment code skins in June and uh, sold them in limited quantities. So that caused quite a stir back then. Um, One of the experts that I spoke with back then uh, believes this could potentially be a new channel for Chinese users to buy digital artwork with the digital yuan in the future. And Sixiao 
dean of the Tencent Research Institute, he said the blockchain is beginning to reshape the nature of ownership and asset transactions in the digital world. He's expecting uh, more new business models and updated laws in the future, but he remarked that it won't be a one-size-fits-all situation. And Chinese authorities have definitely noticed NFTs. Bank of China former Vice President Wang Yongli said in an article、um, that NFT products and investments needed to be regulated properly. He's also stressed that the NFTs are not cryptocurrencies in the same sense as Bitcoin, which is a reiteration of China's protocol of supporting blockchain technology but staying away from virtual currencies. Either way, NFTs are getting more and more popular, and we think it could really revolutionize China's main art space and draw in more creative people and digitally savvy buyers.、Uh, we're super excited to see what the future holds for NFTs. Fascinating stuff, and I should look into this because I have a potentially valuable digital asset I've been sitting on. Well, thanks, Kelsey. Thank you, Kaiser. You're welcome, and I look forward to chatting again. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Taishin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata, with stories from the staff of Taishin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Taishin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Hear stories from Taishin Global, SubChina, Sixth Tone, and many other China-focused outlets on the new China Stories podcast. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.